Hello there and a very warm welcome to Des's Island Discs. In a hectic world, this is a little oasis of calm and nostalgia from our guests who choose pieces of music that remind them of a particular time or story from their life or career. Now, if you're listening on podcast, we cannot play the music because of copyright laws. But really, this is about stories. So let's hear them. Des's Island Discs on RTE Radio 1. And today's visitor to the island is well known to all of you. He's recently celebrated his 75th birthday. He's been a Catholic priest for more than 50 years and a broadcaster and journalist for as long. It's a pleasure to welcome Father Brian Darcy. A milestone birthday, Brian, and you're still going full steam through life. I, I would, you know, and I thank God I'm doing great, thank God. But I'm not as good as a, a great old man called Frankie Bourne who died recently, a famous Meath footballer and free yeah. taker and a man who trained uh, Brian Stafford and others how to take frees in many years. Uh, Frankie actually bought a new pair of boots when he was 75. <laughs> he did not. <laughs> he did. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I, I'd be buying a new pair of boots, all right, but there will be football boots. <laughs> um. Your your first musical choice, Brian, is Elvis Presley and Suspicious Minds. You know, everything in my head's about music and records and when was records and when records weren't and so forth. Um, and Suspicious Minds is always about a big event in my own life. Um, it's, a, you know, it came in at the end of... It was a hit over several months. So it, it uh, stretched right across the end of 69 into the beginning of 70, which actually happens to be the time I was ordained. It was ordained a priest in, on the 20th of December 1969, which means I'm just over over 50 years a priest and um, uh, uh, the big hit at that time was Suspicious Minds and it was a great one really because uh, it was a change for Elvis it was a bigger uh, bigger production than Elvis usually had everybody thought Elvis was gone and then all of a sudden he comes back uh, with this fantastic Suspicious Minds And tell me about the world you were in in, in late 69 just being ordained you see, 69 is a strange time for me because being a northerner, 69 will be forever and, and indelibly linked with the beginnings of the Troubles in uh, August 1969 in a parish to which uh, my own order looks after, Holy Cross um, Ardoin um, uh, in, in Belfast. And there were, that's when the beginning of that, around 14th, 15th of August, and I, our own men were sending down um, from Ardoin messages, please, to try and help us we're being overrun here and it was a terribly frightening time and very difficult time um, and um, it was one of those times as well that you know it, it had been just the flip from the civil rights marches which as a student I had taken part in and it was around the time just after the uh, 68 of course was when Robert Kennedy and Martin Luther King uh, had died so yeah. the world was changing and I had been trained for an old world in the priesthood at that particular time. I did my exams in Latin, oral Latin. I mean, I, I had to write, speak Latin uh, to do my exams, right. even though I had been at UCD earlier on. But for the theology exams, I had to do that. And honest to heavens, you know, it, it, I knew in my heart and soul that uh, the material I had got as a student was absolutely useless to me. And I knew that and knew it immediately because I knew that the Vatican Council had just come and the Vatican Council had just ended as well. 
well and Humani Vitae had just happened and the world just absolutely changed politically, sociologically, uh, musically and most of all religiously and that's really when everything began to change and the stagnant church that had been there for years and years and years and was unchangeable began to change when the society we said that could never change began to change and when um, the 60s had just ended the Beatles were nearly over and you know it's an incredible time when you look back on it now I didn't see all of that at the time but I did know enough to know Brian what you've learned is absolutely useless you better start retraining yourself relearning and getting yourself ready for a different world which is why I went into communications because I knew I had to do something like that why I got trained in all of those uh, and made sure that I was a reasonable efficient not an expert but efficient reasonably efficient in all of them Des's Island Discs on RTE Radio 1 that's Elvis Presley and Suspicious Minds, the choice of today's guest, Father Brian Darcy, who spoke there about getting himself ready for a different world after being ordained. And the media then and communications became pretty central to go alongside your religious life. Uh, very much so. We see, I have to make a little confession here uh, to you, uh, Des. Basically, what happened was that I, I was always great with the show band lads because I grew up with many of them in Oma, like the Brian Carls and the, uh, all the fellas around there, Frankie McBride's and those kind of guys up around North and Larry Cunningham and all of those. And actually, and Brendan Boyer and people like that. I, as a student, used to slip down on my little bicycle from Mount Argus down to the Belvedere Hotel in Great Denmark Street, <laughs> yeah. which many people would know going to Crow Park yeah. <laughs> near the Castle Hotel there. And that's where all the bands stayed. Uh, and we, we never had any money were never allowed to have any money so I'd go down there and the boys might buy me a cup of tea or whatever it is and we'd have a chat with them and, and I got got to know one band and then I got to know all the bands uh, through that Doc Carl and the Royal Blues and all of that so and and one day I was walking down O'Connell Street um, because I had no money that's all I could do was walk up and down O'Connell Street <laughs> uh, with a with a black hat a, a, a phrase collar a pioneer pen to find you in a black suit you'd never notice me so you wouldn't <laughs> I was walking and three men came and talked to me, one of whom I knew. And he was a man called Eddie Masterson, a wonderful character that entertained. He was a solicitor who lived for 17 years in the same room in Barry's Hotel, in the same room in Barry's Hotel for 17 years. And he wrote hit songs like Awfully the Champions and Tribute to Jim Reeves and things like that. He knew everybody. Everybody knew him. And he stopped me in the street. I had known him because he, from the bands. And he stopped on the street and he says... And he called me over and he said to the man with him, there's a man who'll write for you. This would have been about 1965. And uh, there's a man who'll write for you. Uh, And the man with him was Albert Reynolds. Uh, And the other man with him was Jimmy Malloy. And Jimmy edited a little paper which Albert owned, uh, which was then in opposition to Spotlight. And it was about more about the show band music. And for, I said, I can't write for you. I'm not even allowed to read a newspaper. So how can I write for it? And, Eddie says to me, what's your father's name? And I says, Huey, Huey Darcy. And he says, right, that's you. Uh, Huey Darcy's going to write for this. 
<laughs> and I, Huey Darcy became a well-known journalist. <laughs> and that's how it started. And, and that's how it started. Before I was ordained, I had to admit this in case it would be an invalid ordination to have done something so, so terrible without telling my superiors. Uh, so to get their own back on me then, they they said to me, right now, uh, we have a magazine, religious, uh, belong to the Passionists called The Cross, uh, we're looking for an editor and we think you'd be the very man for it. Now, what I didn't know was that The Cross was dying on his feet and the, the man, the editor that was there didn't want to be the last man yeah. who put the day across to bed. Yeah. So they said to me, we'll give this young fella a bit of a cooling. We'll put him in charge of The Cross. He'll be a failure and he'll be easy enough to talk to after that. But it wasn't a failure. No, it wasn't. No, no it thank God, failure, no. Yeah. <laughs> but Brian, you, you mentioned the show bands there and that brings us to your second choice, uh, Summertime, Ella Fitzgerald. Mm, well, if you were doing this programme, I think uh, if you met this next man or, and the song that it reminds me of, I suspect you would do Seven Spanish Angels yeah. would be the song yeah. that would remind you of this man. Yeah, uh, because we're both talking about our friend and colleague uh, and uh, wonderful mentor, uh, Jimmy McGee, the memory man who never be equaled and never be forgotten as, as a memory man shouldn't be. Um, and uh, Jimmy loved all kinds of music as you know, including you had your own lovely story about him uh, in the Tour de France and... and, and yeah, we, uh, sat, we seven, used to sing Seven Spanish Angels, yeah. yeah. Re- yeah. Repeatedly, on, on the loop, as it were. Yeah. Uh, well, Jimmy also had a great penchant for... Um, jazz, believe it or not. He loved he came from that era of course, you know and of course he was born in America anyway uh, but um, he came from that era and Jimmy's favourite singer in the world, I would say, he had many favourite singers, but the one he went back to in, in the quiet of his room and in all that was Ella Fitzgerald and, and Ella Fitzgerald was in, and it was an incredible singer and an incredible singer to listen to even yet and Jimmy always loved Ella Fitzgerald singing Summertime and eventually if, if you got Jimmy and was asked to sing at a party as we often did as a member of the All-Stars Jimmy would get up and he says Summertime and he'd do, and yeah. the eyes closed you, yeah. you know the scene <laughs> so let's let's relive that with Ella Fitzgerald and again and Jimmy uh, McGee and Summertime and that brings me to talk about um, Jimmy's wonderful influence on all of us but particularly on me uh, because um, through the band business again uh, he said to me you know we have have Jimmy McGee All Stars, which he which he started on the sixth of the sixth, nineteen sixty six. The sixth of June, nineteen sixty six, was the first All Stars in Virginia and Cavan, and all the band players. And it was a most unusual thing. It was the Jimmy McGee Radio and TV All Stars at the beginning of it, and the, the, the great men like Sean Ogue and all of the people and Bill O'Donovan and all of those who were in RTE at the time uh, came along to that, and all the show bands came along. So it was a mixture of journalists and TV and radio all-stars well-known in that plus the show bands and plus great uh, sportsmen all came together to raise money for charity and it went for went for 50 years or more um, and we still meet uh, in fact it never stopped we still actually the remnants uh, the remnants meet every now and again for a bit of a chat but we, we, uh, and remember Jimmy but because of that days it was the best lesson I ever got those people remain great friends of mine um, they taught me everything I need to know they taught me listen you don't talk down to people you listen to people you mix with 
with the people. You hear what people are saying. You don't demean people. You never judge people wrongly. You don't say to them because they can't live up to some ideal that they're failures. No, you encourage people to be what they are, not condemn them to be what they can't. Um, and th- that, they were all conversations. And believe it or not, the Jimmy McGee All-Stars, if we in the summertime or anything like that, we always had a mass each year now, which could go on for three hours. Now, I wasn't preaching for three hours, but we'd have the best to crack. And we, Jimmy would, used to say, we'll say a mass anywhere except in a church, you know. So where would you, where would you say it then? Yeah, well, we've said it everywhere in a, an hotel room, uh, in a cleaned out bar. Uh, we said it on the side of a road in Cork one day and everybody stopped and we, it started with 30 of us and it ended with about 300 uh, uh, people as, who all stopped at this incredible site <laughs> of, of, of fellas of all religions and none uh, 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 having a great time singing and chatting and asking questions and people used to say to me Frankie Born Again was a great character and Frankie's a very intelligent man a headmaster and teacher and all the rest of it who, who, who philosophised a great deal about life and knew the gospels inside out better than I did often and I'd do a gospel and say a few things and, and Frankie would say but Brian what do you think of that and then I'd have a discussion and somebody else would say but and it ended up a huge discussion about things so one of the guys said to me for God's sake will you start picking simple gospels or we'll never get out of this place <laughs> 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 so, so you know, it was, it was, there, it was, it was fun, and we raised millions upon millions upon millions uh, for for uh, the journey. The thing was, we arrived in a town. They did the work. Um, they produced a team of locals, usually like the Galway three in a row or the the Kerry four and a half in a row, uh, or something like that. Uh, all of the, we have played all of them at various stages, and even Wicklow, Westmeath, whatever famous teams, and they used to come out for it. And they do, and they, it, all they had to give us was um, uh, some kind of a meal at the end of it, at the end of it. Then we played the match, which was great. Uh, we raffled at the match, which was great. We had a ball, which was. Sad by everybody there which is auctioned I was the auctioneer uh, and then uh, the, there was a concert or a cabaret in, in a hall of some description we left every penny in the place to do whatever whatever the charity they'd organised it for we had fun we were well fed and we met I played with the best footballers in Ireland the best footballers in the world I remember one night I was playing midfield for the Jimmy McGee All-Stars and of course it didn't matter who was playing where Jimmy had to get the ball anyway as you know the ball had to be sent to number 15 where Jimmy was um, and uh, I was marking a midfield now uh, uh, Mick O'Connell and Jack Quinn now I can <laughs> It's a great feeling to look up at two <laughs> belly buttons. <laughs> but I could, and I played against Christy Ring, and we had great. I became a great friend of Christy Rings, and all the rest of. It. And you know, I, the stars were bubbling out of my eyes, yeah. not so much at the Banfields, but at these great names that the great Michal O'Hare had in, had imbued in my mind and my mentality as a young fella listening to a a, a wireless with wet batteries uh, that had to be saved for the match and the house full and the people outside sitting round the hedge listening to All-Ireland finals and semi-finals and Great Ulster finals. Anywhere Michael O'Hare was, that wireless was there with him. I often wondered how we could fit in such a small wireless in my young days. Des's Island Discs on RTE Radio 1. 
Brian Darcy, your third choice is Stevie Wonder. Tell us the story about this one. This is a, it's a sad story, a sad story in my life. Many fellas helped me in life. Most of them, as I said, that I've uh, spoken to you. The guys in RTE did too. The first uh, RTE fellas were wonderful to me at all the time. Uh, everywhere in it. We fought and they'd give out about me in religion, but at the same time, it, they were, were there. and uh, They were there keeping me on a straight and narrow path, not by not by telling me how good I was or letting me in for doing some things. No, if you were worth a place in a programme, you got it. Uh, and that was the end of it. And I went and trained as a journalist. I became a member of the NUJ. I still am a member of the NUJ. Um, uh, I think it was the first priest to join it and perhaps the only one. Eventually, because of what I was doing on the cross, um, Michael Hand and and Kevin Marin used to write for me, as did Bernadette Devlin and Brian Faulkner and every president. I had all sorts of people writing me, but um, Rodney Rice was another. Liam Nolan was a particularly good one. Um, And they they used to... um, uh, Michael Hand used to say to me, you should do a column in a daily paper or a the paper and I said no I'm not interested in that I wouldn't be able to do it I haven't time to do it and uh, Kevin Marin God be good to him he became uh, editor of the Sunday World and he asked me would I go and help him in the 70s would I take a column there and I said no I couldn't God I couldn't write uh, for a paper like the Sunday World my God it would be desperate to do things like that and and, and, he, and he said and this is the honest to God's truth Kevin said to me he says Brian, he said, "Okay, you call yourself a priest, right? I'm giving you at that stage a half a million people every single Sunday, many of whom will never go near church, chapel or meeting house. And you tell me you have nothing to say to them. What kind of a priest are you? And I said, when do you want me to start? (laughs) And I I started for a month in August 76. uh, And at the end of the month, uh, uh, I'm a bit like John Sheehan in the Dubliners. I never got actually taken on to anything, but I never got sacked either. Uh, and I'm still there 44 years, r- never missing a Sunday. Uh, in, uh, and, and God be good to poor Jimmy. Jimmy was the longest serving man in the Sunday world. And now, uh, he, since he's more than two years dead, I am now uh, the, the longest serving man because I entered two years after Jimmy started. Um, and and uh, the, the song that reminds me is this. It was, a, I think, a Tuesday night. I was going down to the dances as I usually did from Odargus. And as I w- when I went into the dance hall in the television club, which now a road, there's a road through it now, uh, and uh, I, they said to me, your friend, did you hear about your friend? And I said, what? And they said, this is about 12 o'clock at night, and they said, there's been an air crash. And I knew immediately because I had been speaking to Kevin Marin that day and he said he was going on the Beaujolais flight, mm. uh, which was a flight from, of journalists and, and, and hoteliers uh, who were go uh, nine of them, eight of them all together, who were going over to um, uh, Beaujolais to bring back the first Beaujolais wine. It was a thing at the time. Yeah. Uh, and, and, and unfortunately at Eastbourne, uh, the plane crashed and uh, all of them, including the pilot, were killed. Uh, and... Uh, Four close, very, very close friends uh, of mine were were on that. The four journalists were were incredibly. You had, of course, you had Kevin Marin, uh, who was the man who had got me into the Sunday World and proved a great friend. You had John Feeney, you had Niall Hanley, who, who was the editor of the the Herald, and you had Tony Heenan, who was a journalist for the Independent newspapers, as well as the other people, Cassidy's and Pat Gibbons, and um, uh, from the Sands Hotel, and every. 
everybody was killed. And the next week I spent doing all many of the funerals, um, um, particularly John and Niall Hanley's funeral. And uh, then as I was driving up to Kevin Maron's house, uh, I, I just immediately turned the car and went straight up to Margaret and the family, whom I knew very well. Um, and as I was driving up to it, playing on the radio was... I just called to say I love you. And of course it became extraordinarily poignant because not even one of the fellas got to be able to say that. I just called to say I love you. It's very poignant. Um, we're going to play out with it, Brian, but you, you did say to me you, you lost another close friend and maybe we'll include him in this. Brendan Boyer passed away recently as well. Uh, yes, Brendan uh, Brandon passed away uh, and he was the first of the showbuns. I saw him as a young fellow in 1959 and walking up the town of Inniskillen and there was a, a Mercedes band was strolled, scrolled across the right in, 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 in very effervescent writing was uh, the Royal Showband and I went I got permission from my father to go with my brother to that and I've been hooked ever since I saw Elvis Presley, I saw in Brendan Boyer, I saw the great Tom Dunphy, I saw Charlie Matthews uh, uh, Jim Conlon, they're all wonderful fellas and I was hooked from that moment at 14 year old uh, uh, on it and I spoke to Brendan three or four days before he died as well uh, and uh, two or three weeks excuse me before he died and he was the greatest and the best and the Huckle book of course is, is, all, is all part of that but they were all lovely friends of mine being very honoured and very privileged to meet them and these are just a, a few of the people that music reminds me of well, it's a lovely way to finish it out and to remember them all. And Brian Darcy, continued good health to you and your high level of energy. May it long continue. Thank you very much for joining us, Father Brian Darcy. It's been a real pleasure, Des. Thank, Thank you. you. And we'll play out with Stevie Wonder. I just called to say I love you. Des's Island Discs on RTE Radio 1.